Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is Beth Mantle. Say hi, Beth. Hi, guys. And Mickey Turner. Good afternoon. See, look at that. Effortlessly introduced both people and let them speak on their own. It's like I'm learning things how to host a podcast. Anyway, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need a heads up next time I have to introduce myself. So yeah. you really just like drop that one on. Me. I know that's it. That's the next step. That's the next layer. I couldn't do my patented little hey y'all. Right. Uh, she's doing hand things that you can't you can't see on just on like the podcast. jazz hands but cooler right <laughs> so next time we do this I will actually talk about it and you'll come up with a catchphrase like on Real Housewives of New York or whatever Real Housewives you'll like hey I'm Beth and soccer is how I kick it oh geez <laughs> wow <laughs> I don't know if I'm impressed that you came up with that on the spot or horrified it's a combination of both, definitely, though. Oh, boy. The, I'm going right. to have to work really hard to top that one. I, no, right? I don't I think it can was, be. Like, freestyling. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that, might be the, like, that might be the last time we ever hear it because it's, it yep. was so good. We got to the, the peak. And, yeah, like uh, George Costanza leave on a high note. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're off to it. We're off to a great. This is the yeah. best start we've ever speaking had on, of this, high notes. on this podcast. Yeah. Speaking of high notes, that was a good show, everyone. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, speaking of high notes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Sounders are coming off a pretty impressive performance on the weekend. Uh, they beat Vancouver Whitecaps four to one. And again, like it was in some ways, it felt like a, a carbon copy almost of the, the Rapids game minus the uh, beast goal. Uh, but there was a lot of other like in some ways, it was even more encouraging of an attacking performance. The Sounders uh, got two goals in the first half. They looked like they're breezing and they probably I, I want to say that was their most dominant 30 minutes of the season. Uh, they, they looked like they might score 10 on on the Whitecaps the way that they were playing. And I thought. I seriously in the press box said Nico Benize is going to get a, a hat trick in this game because he looked like he was absolutely on fire. And what do we, what do we, what was that move that he did after the goal, Beth? There's a fire truck right outside of my window. Um, but yeah, it Speaking was of working. transitions. <laughs> um, yeah. Brian Schmetzer apparently is not up to date on all of the hot moves, um, but yeah, it's working. Yeah. And was didn't... the, I think it needs to be said that I'm the you in that quote where he says, is that what you yes. young people call twerking? That's me. It's my singular claim to fame. I need everyone to know about it. I, I posted was really it happy. on my Instagram story. Like I never Good. post on my Instagram story and it went on there. 
Yeah, I, I was, that was a great little moment because if you don't know, Beth has been in the press box tweeting from the press box for, I don't know, a few months now. And only in the last few games has she worked it up the courage to ask questions in the, in the presser. And I'm so glad that you had worked yourself up. Cause I, this would have never been your first question. There's no way you would have ever like, <laughs> come out of the gates with what do you call, what do you, what's your response to this celebration? But uh, you had gotten to the point where you felt comfortable asking Brian that question. And I think it's great because it created wonderful, wonderful content. Yeah, I'm sure the sounders were appreciative of it. Because it gave them many, 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 many posts. No, it was a great, it was a great question, Beth. And, and uh, like, thankfully, Brian ate it up and just hit it out of the ballpark with that one. Yeah, it was, it was a fun little moment. Kind of broke up the, uh, the presser, um, which was a good mood all the way around. I think it's fair to say when you come off of a pretty comprehensive win, uh, yeah. against the Cascadia opponent. Uh, like you, I thought, yeah, they looked like they were going to score like four or five goals in the first, you know, 35 minutes or so. Uh, and then they, I, when I was rewatching the game, I didn't think they played as poorly from minute 30 to minute 45 as, as uh, Schmetzer said at halftime when they gave up the goal. I think that's probably colored by the fact they did give up the goal uh, right before half. Uh, but I still think, you know, they, they weren't great, uh, but, you know, they were fine. They were, I think, just looking to hold the lead and get into halftime and, and make the adjustments that they wanted to make. And then they end up giving up the goal, which kind of, uh, you know, provided a bit of a buzzkill uh, for what was a fantastic first 30 minutes. But, yeah, it was in some ways a carbon copy, like you said, of the uh, Colorado game. And it's obviously great, you know, it portends great things because they are now getting off to these fast starts getting goals, uh, you know, pressuring opponents, you know, and the, uh, in the lead up to the Vancouver game, they hinted that they were going to try to press Vancouver and they did, and they did it obviously very effectively, uh, for the first 30 minutes. So it's, it's kind of interesting and cool to see them pull that all of the arsenal. Cause they're not a high press team per se, uh, where they're, you know, going, you know, you know, balls to the wall for, you know, 60 or 75 minutes and trying to press you into oblivion. Uh, but they, seem to have another, uh, you know, arrow in their quiver that they can now pull out. And uh, it's great to see that they can play in different ways, um, which will be great. And obviously the playoffs when you may need to go to plan B or C uh, if plan A isn't working. Yeah. And I think the most encouraging thing about this game was that they got it while missing five starters from, for international duty. Uh, and that's not even including Brad. Smith, it's not including Jordan Morris, it's not including Nico Ladero, all three players who were starters last year who have been in and out of the, well, I guess Morris hasn't been in and out of the lineup, we'll get to him later, I promise, uh, but it, it just, I think it was another showcase of their depth, and, you know, they, they had to use a, uh, a hardship signing to fill out the roster to the degree that they, they did, Juan Alvarez didn't get on the field, but, you know, he was in the roster, uh, just really a, an encouraging performance on, on many levels, uh, not the least of which was Kellen Rowe as a right back. He had three assists in the game. He probably could have had four or five. Uh, in fact, he, he, he almost would have had a, a fourth, if not for offside call, calling back. It may not have ended up being a, a goal for, for Freddie Montero, but it looked like at first like it was going to be a Yamar uh, Gomez Andrade goal. But Kellen Rowe was like, 
dealing. I think that's something like the fifth time in Sounders history that a player had three assists. Yeah, he was he was great. And obviously he, he came in at the beginning of the season and that was one of the positions that they kind of had uh, earmarked him for um, was, uh, you know, a backup to Alex Roldan, provide some competition and some depth. Uh, we didn't even know at that point that Alex was going to be on the radar for his national team uh, playing 90 minutes a game and captaining uh, El Salvador, which we can probably talk about later. But, yeah, uh, I think, you know, seeing uh, Kellen Rowe kind of transition in that way has is, is been very interesting to watch. Um, you know, obviously he, he made most of his uh, heyday uh, in MLS in the midfield, uh, but he has played in, you know, in defensive positions before. I guess it kind of reminds me of Graham Zuzzi a little bit, uh, who also transitioned uh, from the midfield to a uh, right back and has basically extended his career by like three or four years, probably. Uh, so that may be something that Kellen um, ultimately does. And he certainly has uh, the skill set for it with his, you know, ability on the ball and his ability to cross and, you know, he's showed in this game and he was a very physical presence, um, which is something you need on the back line. So yeah, it's great to see him be able to kind of uh, just, you know, expand his game a little bit, um, especially given where, what we all thought we were getting from him at the beginning of the year, which was a kind of complimentary piece. And he's turned on to be much more than that. It, it's funny to think about Alex Roldan at the beginning of the year. Not only did, was he not on the, the radar of El Salvador, or at least not in our minds that he'd be starting World Cup qualifiers, but at the beginning of the year, we were actually thinking that Kellen Rowe was just going to be competing, that give Alex some competition for the starting spot. Like it, was, it, like it wasn't that long ago that Alex Roldan's uh, place in this team was not quite as secure as it is now, and now it's looked like he might be one of the best right backs in the league. Uh, but one of the other things that was interesting about Kellen Rose contributions is that in this game, it really highlighted the degree to which the Sounders have made out like bandits when it comes to bargain shopping around the league. You know, Kellen Rowe essentially is on the roster for free uh, in part because Jordy Delham's uh, injury allowed them to essentially recoup the cap space from Kellen Rowe's contract. Uh, they have Jimmy Madranda, who they effectively got they got paid to take essentially from Nashville last year. Uh, he, he was starting in the game. Uh, they had Freddie Montero, who they have on a veteran minimum contract that they signed for free this year. They had Shane O'Neill, who they brought in last year on a, on a free. Uh, and he, he scored a goal in this game. You have Will Bruin, who they didn't give up much for a few years ago. Uh, he had a goal and two assists in this game. And there's someone else that I'm missing that, uh, Beth, do you remember who the other, who, Nico Benize. Nico Benize, of course. Wow. I couldn't forget that one who they also effectively $50,000. They got him from the rapids. And I was saying if they had only gotten Nico Benize for the shit posting that he does on social media, it probably would have been money well spent, uh, <laughs> but he's actually a really good player. It turns out. He was, he was committing crimes in the Sounder at Heart comments on Instagram. I had posted a picture of Christian pointing at something, and I was like, what's Christian pointing at? Wrong answers only. And he said, Brad Smith's hair. <laughs> <laughs> that is so mean. I feel personally attacked by that. bullying his teammates. <laughs> I did not know this at all. That yeah. is great. He definitely reads the yes. Sounder at Heart comments. <laughs> Yeah, he, he definitely is. I mean, he's he's definitely someone who's, I think, name-searching his mentions on Twitter. 
Uh, he definitely is aware of what's being said about him. And I love, and it's like, he's, he's like one of us, essentially. He's just a guy who is on social media. Like this is, but he's not just a guy in the, just a guy of an MLS team rankings. That's a different, just a guy. Right. That was last week. And that was, you're right. It's a totally different situation. Uh, that's a good, um, thank you for clarifying that. But yeah, Nico Benese. Guys straight. (laughs) Nico Benese has turned into like a Victor Rodriguez-esque uh, contributor in this team. Uh, you know, I was, it's granted, it's a very small sample size. He's only played 300 minutes or so, but he's second on the Sounders in goals per 90. He's, I think, second on the team in maybe even assists per 90. And he's also second in, in uh, XG per 90 and XA per 90. Uh, he's very productive. Granted, again, it's small sample sizes and all these kind of things. But he's also looked really dangerous. He's a fun player. Uh, the goal he scored against Vancouver was a really classy goal. You know, he he takes a pass from Will Bruin, sets it to himself, and just, like, slams it past uh, Thomas Hazel. Uh, I meant to ask you this earlier, uh, Beth. Was the hamstring, the fake hamstring pull thing, was that, like, is that a reference to something, or is that just him being shitposting? I don't know. I I really have no idea. I was just... I feel like it's just part of part of the whole bit that he was yeah, going for. It's just like right. It was almost just, it feel yeah. like it felt like it was an insult. The twerking was <laughs> funny, but the hamstring grab just felt like he was being mean to the white caps. Yeah, it did. It did. But that's a you know, that's what we love about him, right? Uh this is this is turned into a very, very like I this team has been enjoyable to watch, I think, all year in part because there's some fun personalities because they've been winning uh, because they seem to really get along. But in the last few weeks, they've just been fun from a like purely aesthetical, like I just love watching them play soccer perspective. And I don't know that there's anyone in the league that can really touch them from that perspective right now. No, they're the most fun team. Also related to being the most fun team. um, We keep scoring really early in home matches and I like that trend. I feel like it's yeah. been a while since we've had that kind of mojo out, out of the gate. Oh, and it it's, is. It's very uh, 100%. fun. So we're yeah, usually it's... like second half will hit you there. But I like these like third minute, fifth minute kind of goals. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, had a, yeah they had a stretch there when they weren't scoring at all in the first half. And they were only scoring one goal uh, in a game. And that's how they were kind of living and dying, I think, uh, uh, right up until the Lyon game, I think, basically is when it uh, – you know, really turn around. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, that's obviously something that will be very useful uh, as they get, you know, into the playoffs and hopefully advance. Um, I'm not sure what's, what's turned it around except for just kind of, you know, these things kind of tend to even out. I mean, no one is exclusively a second half team. Uh, so you're going to certainly get your goals, uh, you know, here and there in the first half, but I think some of it has to do with just them kind of coming into of the team that they want to be. Uh, some of it is, you know, certainly a renewed focus on, you know, getting off to his hot start and, uh, you know, they're putting their home struggles behind them. So I think there was a little bit more motivation to do that, but uh, whatever it's been and the fact that they're able to do it with missing so many starters still and not having a few of them for the entire year is certainly great news. Uh, and hopefully, you know, when they get back, uh, into training we'll see a couple of additions uh to the roster uh and that'll make them even more dangerous 
Is one of those additions Jordan Morris? Presumably. Uh, I guess we'll find out at training tomorrow because that is, I think, you know, what did Spencer say that after his uh, little getaway uh, this weekend, he is expected to be full in in training. So, uh, you know, we're Things recording this on Tuesday, but, uh, you know, we should see, we should see something tomorrow is, is, is my guess. And what's going to be fascinating is how quickly from full training to a bench spot is this going to go? Like, is there a possibility, like, I haven't really, I don't know that anyone's really asked Brian this, but is it, is there any reason to think that he can't be at least on the bench by the weekend, assuming he, he trains in full on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Yeah. That, I mean, that is, you know, that's a question that we probably need to ask him. Uh, but right. if he's in full training, I mean, they're not going to send him to defiance for, uh, for rehab right. assignments. Uh, so, you know, Either he's full in or he's not at this point. If he's not in full training, then he's not going to make the bench, obviously. If he is in full training, then there's no reason. That means he's cleared whatever medical protocols he needs to clear. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not right. sure what the step would be in between full training and being on the bench. Um, I don't think there is one. I think it would just be like a, a plane ride to <laughs> where are we playing? Houston? Houston? Houston. I think that's what the step in the middle is. Yeah, that's yeah, I don't, I don't believe there's another one. So, yeah. I mean, I guess you could drive, but this far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so the other players that we, we don't have an update on Nico Ladero, that his return is much more up in the air. And, and frankly, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not as concerned about Ladero's return in part because I don't know how he, like the Sounders struggled sort of to integrate him back in. I, they seem to have figured out a way to play without him. Whereas Jordan Morris, I feel like he's someone where if you can just get him on the field, he could potentially have an instant impact with limited touches. He doesn't need to be on the ball every time. You can kind of just bring him in late in the game and let him run at defenses if you want. I'm just really excited for them to sub in Jordan Morris and Leo Shu at the same time. Right. And just like see the opposing defenders just like crumble. Like that yeah. has to, that particularly, yeah. Man, you like see the them. Minute. You see them getting ready on the sideline, and you're like, "Oh no, oh no, this is not going to end well." <laughs> yeah, Leo Chu w- looked absolutely electric against the Whitecaps, and the goal that he scored was not necessarily—I—I I, I don't think the kind of goal we imagined him scoring. Like he basically threw Jake Nerwinski off of him, and and scored like a great goal uh, off a of feed from Freddie Montero. It was. Very encouraging on many levels, uh, but without getting too far down that path, a couple other players, we, we still don't know the status of Javier Arriaga. He has not played in either one of Ecuador's games. Is that right, Mickey? Yeah, he, be- he made the bench in their first game, uh, did not make the bench in their loss to uh, Venezuela, I think it was. Um, so who kn- don't know what that's about. Uh, it can only be related to fitness because there's no reason otherwise to, to leave him off of the roster so i will say that i game? think this yeah. has happened before with javi when he has, the national yes. team that they've just like brought him in and then not put him on the bench and he comes back and he's fine so i don't think it's like an issue that we should be concerned about but maybe one we should be sad about that he doesn't get time to play he gets the pulled team. away and yeah. yeah they're like here come hang out with us but don't do right. any work yeah yeah, yeah he definitely has had 
Yeah, he's definitely had a couple of appearances or a, a couple of trips where he doesn't make the the bench after making the bench um, or playing in a in an earlier game. So it's just I guess a matter of how their how their coach wants to deal with things. But uh, hopefully, you know, if he was fit to make the first uh, game, hopefully it's just whatever weird things you know they're doing with their roster um, is the reason he didn't make the second one. Obviously, Rui Diaz is, um, is the more concerning one. Right. So Rui Diaz took the trip to Peru. He didn't play in the first game, which we weren't necessarily surprised by because he was, he didn't play, you know, he had apparently suffered some sort of setback the day before the the last game before he left for the Sounders. But then there was a report out of Peru that he actually did suffer another injury in training down there. We haven't been able to get much information about this though. Yes. Then go ahead, Beth. Oh, I did see, this is probably less important than what you're about to say, but he did post a vague Instagram story that was like a motivation caption kind of thing, where that makes me feel like it might be a bit more serious than we had seen with prior injuries. Um, But that's all I have to go off of. But he does post a lot and he's been posting less recently. So that's more information than, than we have at, at the I don't moment, know. So. Like just Instagram <laughs> sleuthing over here. Yeah, that's that's more that's more than we have. So um I mean it's you know obviously a bad news either way. Uh my guess is that he's on his way back to the states because the sounders will want to assess him. Um according to his Instagram stories. Would say that again. I think he's back according yeah. to his Instagram stories, so yeah, I mean that makes sense. He was he they had essentially ruled him out for the uh, remaining two qualifiers, and he, you know it was questionable he was going to play in any of them in the first place. Uh, so, uh, well, that's another question to ask Brian uh, at uh, after training tomorrow. But yeah, that's obviously a setback for the Sounders, even with the depth that they have and the players that they have coming back. You don't want a potential MVP, you know, not not able to play down the stretch. But you know who has been holding the Sounders together through a lot of roster rotation and a lot of missing players? Joao Paulo. Oh, yes. Good transition. We are just Thank you. Smoking, smoking the transitions today. Uh, I actually put together a, a column that tried to sort of boil down his MVP candidacy in a way that I hope is somewhat convincing to people because I – I think he legitimately does belong in the conversation. Uh, You know, he doesn't have almost always the award goes to a golden boot contender. In fact, every year, except for one, uh, which was 2000 when Tony Mayola, a goalkeeper won MVP after 16 shutouts in 31 games. uh, Every other year, the MVP is a top five golden boot player. And the only time since 2009 that someone even was a finalist without meeting that criteria was Shalry Joseph, who had eight goals and eight assists, a very good season in 2009. Uh, but Angel Paolo is probably going to end up somewhere between three and five goals, 10 to maybe 15 assists, not bad numbers, but certainly nothing compared to Carlos Heel, who right now is on three goals, 16 assists, or Daniel Shalloway, who's on, I think, 13 goals and seven assists. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of really good players out there right now that are putting up solid seasons, but gel Paolo, I think stands right up there. And it's because he is not just a golden boot contender. He's very much a two-way player. And I, I won't get into all the details, but he's essentially a top 
10 player when it comes to passing. He's a potentially top 10 player when it comes to a bunch, a bunch of important defensive metrics. He's a top 10 player when it comes to uh, chance creation. He's a very good player and he's doing it on both sides of the ball. Something that no one else that is considered an MVP contender is doing. Yeah. And just what he, you can tell the, the Sounders in the limited time that he has not been with the team, which is another point uh, in his favor that he's been so durable. He's only missed one game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can just see how he makes the entire team better when he's on the field. And that's, you know, typically one of the criteria that, uh, you know, voters use to, to pick the MVP, you know, stats obviously rule. And uh, so the high goal, high assist numbers are, are always going to have a little bit of an edge, but I think making, making the team better, um, being, I think our calls it a force multiplier uh, is something that he, he provides in spades. And yeah, you, you just, again, you kind of shudder to think what the sounders would be without him, especially given the injuries that they suffered. Uh, he was basically holding them together through parts of this, uh, the, of the summer. And uh, again, he wasn't putting out the flashy stats, which is, which is going to hinder him a little bit, but, you know, I, I think there's time for him to kind of pad things a little bit down the stretch uh, for sure. Uh, especially as the sounders get uh, uh, healthier and you start to incorporate some of those more dangerous pieces, maybe he, he can add, you know, three or four goals and, and, you know, uh, rack up another, you know, six or seven assists. And if the Sounders get close to the supporter shield um, or even overtake New England, which is something we could probably talk about later, then, yeah, then his candidacy gets a real boost. But he certainly is worthy of discussion right now uh, just on his merits uh, up to this point. And do we have a flashy or a clever hashtag that we need to start using, Beth? Yeah, so I think we have two options. I am a marketing st- Student, so I think this is right up in my wheelhouse, and these are extremely outside of the box, innovative, new. Um, the first one is <laughs> hashtag JP MVP. I like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Straightforward. I think I get it. I yeah, get it. Like I, I feel like it resonates with people. Yeah, it's the clear. second one. The second one is even more out there. It's hashtag JP is MVP. I'm going right out there and saying it. Here's the answer. The answer to your question. You're voting for MLS MVP. Yeah. Here's your answer. It's in a hashtag. I made this for you. Please vote this way. So here's one that might be a little too 2018, but what about JP numeral four MVP? Is that just, is that too old school? Is that the IV? I don't use Roman numerals in my everyday life. I'm not out here writing on stone tablets. You're proud of who you're dealing with here. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we're going to have to, we're going to, we're going to have to get this figured out because this is going to be a full blown campaign that I think Sounder at Heart is going to have to be in the driver's seat for. Yeah. If you're listening to this, just start using them and we'll see which one works best. Power to the people. Yeah. Pick a hashtag. Yeah. Only crowdsources it. Crowdsource. Yeah. So, Wait, so Jeremiah, I think I yeah. have another another segue. Another. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So, the beginning of the season, people thought the Sounders were going to be bad, and then they uh-huh. lost Nico Ladero, and they were like, right. the Sounders are going to be terrible. The Sounders haven't been terrible. A no. big reason for that is JP, but he's fighting with New England Revolution's guy, their main man. For this MVP award, if you look at it and if you look at the standings. But I'm following. But 
New England currently running away with the shield, or so MLSsoccer.com tells you. But are they really? I, I think that's a great transition to talk about the stretch run that we're now heading into. Uh, the Sounders are, are eight points back of New England. They have a game in hand. Sounders have six games left. New England has five games left. It would seem an open and shut case. You, you, might, you, might, you might be inclined to say that. I've said it, in fact. I think Mickey has said it. MLS Soccer has definitely said it. They've said the race is over. I have never said it. But I would Beth, like that to be on the record. But Beth has, has been noted. keeping... Yeah, Beth has been, has been keeping a candle going. Uh, and I think we actually can see a pathway. There was a story on a, a very good reader. Uh, I think he goes by X Slacker, wrote a, a piece on Sounder at Heart uh, that detailed some ways that the Sounders could get, could like pull this out. And the key elements of it are essentially that New England really can't win more than two of their remaining five games. I know what you're saying to yourself, Jeremiah, that sounds crazy. The New England Revolution have been unstoppable. How are they going to only win two out of five games? And I'll tell you, uh, the first game that they come back, they've been off, by the way, they haven't, they're in the middle of an 18 day break. So they're going to come out of this 18 day break with a game at home against a very dangerous Chicago fire team. This is a Chicago fire team that just unveiled a new logo and they just fired their got coach. a new and more importantly fired their coach they there's a thing called a dead cat bounce what do we think do we give do we give the dead cats any chance of getting points from the revolution in this game wait wait guys can someone tell me what a dead cat bounce is <laughs> it's it's a it's political like, science term uh essentially means you know the first bounce when a cat falls is fairly high but it has no you know it is in at that point essentially inanimate object and so the second bounce is basically a thud uh so you get the initial indication that there is yeah it is very morbid uh you get the initial indication that oh there's something here and then you realize that uh the animal's dead and therefore can't move anymore so Wow, you learn something new every day. Apparently, Chicago Fire is a dead cat that we can only hope will bounce really high. Yeah, at least once. One time. That's that's all you're looking for is one. At least once. Yeah. Against the Revs on Saturday Mm -hmm. at New England to at least, like, will make them drop points. You're giving the illusion of having something there, uh, and that's what Chicago provides at this point. Right. And, and I'll, I'll go out and say, for any of this to matter, the Sounders have to probably at least go five and one. Like, they, they need at least 15 points from their – they need to get to 73, I think, to have any sort of realistic chance, any realistic hope. But this is the path they get there. So we're not going to talk about what the Sounders need to do, just accept that they need to basically win out. Uh, they have a little room for error, but they basically need to win out. All I right. can do that. So, I believe in them. I do too. So after them – they have a road game against DC United. DC United, a really actually pretty decent team. They're competent. Yeah, I, that's I think that's high a, praise for a team in the Eastern Conference. Yes, yeah, yeah, they are competent. It is. And to, just to add a little bit to that, DC 10 3 0 at home. Like that's a that's better a, than the Sounders. 
yeah, it's better than a lot of teams. It's actually, I think it's the second best record. Could in the you league. imagine how many less scenarios we'd be having to jump, jump ourselves through all of these hoops if we had just like been less bad at home earlier in the season? <laughs> it it plagues me. But continue on. We're jumping through the hoops because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And so, and do we have anything we want to say about? DC's chances at home against New England. Oh, I think you know. I think they have. Think they have a, you know, they have the chance to. to that's like the best game. chance. Yeah, that's, yeah. I would say that if you're looking at chances for New England to drop points, if they get points, if they get full points out of that one, it's probably over. But that's that's a good one. And then the next one is a road game against the Orlando, the Orlando City. Uh, again, a team that's not a little less confident. A little less confident, but they're also eight two and four at home that's a decent team like that's not a bad that i would say that's that's a hopeful chance and so we're gonna stop this thought exercise and change gears a little bit to the sounders this is the craziest scenario let's just say chicago that they that new england is held to one point from those three games all of a sudden and the sounders let's just say they get maximum points from their next three games at the end of that weekend, October 24th, the weekend of October 24th, it is vaguely possible that the Sounders could actually be leading the Supporter Shield race with a game in hand over their last three games. And at that point, it's it's a boat race, right? Yeah, uh, that kind of brings up shades of 2014, although obviously the Sounders weren't uh, that they weren't they were ahead for most of that year. Uh, they yeah. had a little blip in the middle. Uh but uh, they were, uh, you know, they were right there in that race this time around. They're obviously, you know, chasing from behind. So, but, you know, this, you know, the scenario is there, um, you know, I think they, you know, they should take care of business on the road against Houston, who's going to be missing some players from international duty too. I think they're missing more than the Sounders or at least as many. Um, and, you know, even though they're not as talented as the Sounders uh, players that they're missing, uh, you know, it's still all relative and you're still going to be at a deficit. So the Sounders should take care of business there. And then you got uh, what Colorado, I think midweek, that's, I think the one you really have to uh, worry about if you're the Sounders. Uh, you, you said they do have one kind of game where they may be able to drop some points. You probably think that's the one um, just because Colorado does give them a good game um, in in mile high, mile high typically. Uh, Sounders were probably a little lucky to get out of there with a point last time. Um, but again, the Sounders are uh, look to be a different team now. Um, and so they're, they have just as good as chances, uh, any to get a result there. Although Chicago or uh, Colorado did manage to score three goals against Minnesota down a man. So they're going to be flying epic, a little bit. Epic collapse there. Yeah. Uh, and then they, and then they'll have a home game against sporting Kansas city. That's the, and then we, we kind of get to that. So, I mean, I'd say realistically, there's a realistic scenario where the Sounders get at least seven points from their next three. New England gets one point from their next three and the Sounders have cut that deficit to two points uh, with the game in hand over the, the, their final three games. Hey, I'll take, I'll take those odds. If they can, if we can get, I guess what I'm saying is at the end of October, by October 24th, we're going to have a really good idea of how realistic the Sounders chances yeah. are of contending for the Sporter shield. Definitely, which is not something you would have said uh, a month ago, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I was saying it, but on a less realistic note, 
Um, I tweeted something along the lines of, I'm politely asking the New England Revolution to tank the rest of the season. And it was just something I, I got off my chest. I put out into the world. You know who found that tweet? The New England Revolution. <laughs> Name searching was, themselves. Apparently. It's like, am I an influencer? Why are you looking at my tweets? Um, but they replied, no. Rude. And that, I, I, have, I don't have that many followers. I didn't tag them. What are they doing up in my business? <laughs> that feels like they're getting a little bit ahead of themselves. I feel like that one could come back to bite them. And yeah, I hope it that's... bites the supporter shield right out of Bruce Arena's hands and into my social media hubris. Yeah. Yeah. I'm holding it. You uh, guys can't see, but I'm holding an imaginary supporter shield right now. It looks great. Yeah. And all of a sudden you could do a supporter shield uh, pumpkin. Yeah. I did and... one in 2014 and it was really fun. Yeah. So, I mean, Let I don't me know. Suggest. I suggest. This these last few weeks have allowed me to dare to dream a little bit about this Sounder season, and it's been a lot of fun. And I just I'm enjoying this ride. I I am. It's been this has been probably the most enjoyable Sounder season in a while. Like not a lot of down points, which has been great. It's just been crazy. There's been a lot of different iterations of this team. Like yeah, yeah. They were dominant. And then they had no players and were also somewhat dominant. And then they were faltering at home. And then yeah. they were like extremely good on the road. And now they're coming back at home. We had the Leeds Cup subplot. Like this, we're getting chaotic enough that it's like the CW wrote this. <laughs> like we could be on the CW with this season. Riverdale, yeah. co Riverdale co writers, hit me up. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I get that's that's probably a good place to to wrap up. Uh, our easily our best show, uh, undeniably our best show, and I would hate to put too fine of a ending on it, which I'm now in danger of doing. So I'm gonna just bid farewell. I'm Jeremiah Shane, and signing off. Heart Podcast, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>